What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speaking with you now. I got a, a, a terrific team that I want to bring uh, to you guys today. Uh, you know, a lot of us grew up with comics and so forth and did a next generation behind this was into the manga thing. Well, it looks like this team I have right now is taking that to a whole nother level. Family, I'm talking about Saturday a.m. Uh, under the leadership of these fantastic folks, I'm talking uh, Frederick Jones, uh, Raymond Brown, uh, Andrea Veros, and uh, Adunze Ogugo. You're doing great, man. It's white. <laughs> I went to public schools. I fucked names up on the regular. So please don't be offended, family. All right. No, it's, it's all good. What you what you guys are doing is you're taking this manga art form and you're putting your own cultural spin on it. And that, and that seems to be hitting. I mean, I, the last time that Frederick and I talked, some of your books are challenging sales, you know, with some of the, the shonen guns and some of the big some of the big boys. So so kind of don't give me the, the whole secret sauce, but you know, Frederick, we'll start with you, man. What was the core concept behind uh, Saturday AM and your particular approach to manga? Well, I mean, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having us back on. I'm really happy that we can be on the show with uh, the other partners who I started Saturday AM with because uh, you know, one of the things Saturday AM stands for is inclusion. And, you know, having this group of people that have helped uh, build this thing uh, something that, uh, matters to me a great deal. So I'm really, I'm really happy to be doing this with you again, but more happy that, that Andrea and Raymond and, and, and White, uh, can be here. But, um, in terms of, you know, what we were looking to do, I think the key thing was that, you know, I look at manga much like hip hop, you know, hip hop kind of stands for rebellion, you know, it kind of stands for getting to the source of, of, of emotions for people who are, you know, oppressed or, 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 or going through stuff. And that's why you see hip hop so relevant in countries like Saudi Arabia, and Israel, Pakistan, Palestine, you know, Latin American countries like Brazil and so on and so forth. You know, it stands for that kind of rebellion. I think manga for me kind of is that idea in comic books, you know, it's, it's kind of like shaking its, its, its uh, thumb at, uh, at uh, core American comic book sensibilities. So, the characters don't necessarily wear superhero costumes. The, the situations are more uh, more creative in terms of what can happen to people and stuff. And I think that for us, when we wanted to create Saturday AM and Saturday, and Saturday PM uh, as well, which is the more adult version of Saturday AM, it was just about trying to find that kind of unique that, that creativity that manga has, but to do it in a way that felt very familiar with people around the world. Because one thing that manga is is very Japanese. But once you strip away the look of it, then, you know, some of the circumstances, some of the cultural idioms don't translate as well. Mm. And so we wanted to bring, you know, ideas and emotions and characters that were global. We wanted to, we wanted to still kind of give it that aspect of manga that's extremely creative and extremely weird at times and, and always really imaginative about the worlds and the, the sort of characters and abilities that the, that the, the, character, the, the heroes made. Uh, have or encounter. So for us, it was really just about taking the concept of manga and shaking it up and making it more accessible for the rest of the people around the world. So uh, I'm going to go to, uh, to to Raymond now. Uh, uh, Raymond Brown, uh, one of the co-founders and the creator of Bully Eater. 
I do have a small bone to pick with you, uh, Raymond. Uh, a small bone. Now, your character uh, is, is, is Esu, right? Esu Akio? You pronounce it Asao. Asao. So how come Asao mm -hmm. Akio isn't, like, walking from town to town during the Edo period? I mean, why is this cat in, like, high school, man? What's, what's, what's going on? Uh, well, um, I wanted to, I wanted to, I didn't uh, throw you well, off at all, but, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know much about Edo, Edo period. That, that's all the right, one. Man, all right, all you right, know, right. I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big historian on that, but, uh, <laughs> okay, good, but yeah, it's like, it's like you said earlier, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you, you know, music, if you sing, you know, you're a fisherman, you probably sing about fishing. It, same thing with me. It was just a culmination of things that, you know, that really, uh, you know, motivated me. I was uh, big into, uh, to fighting games mm -hmm. and, um, you know, street fighter things like that. So that had a really big part to play. in when I made, when I, uh, create the series. Now, when you say fighting games, are we talking about soul caliber? Uh, no, uh, anybody, any of your listeners that are fighting games fans, it's, it's, the golden era is what we call it, a fighting game. So like back during the PlayStation one times with like street fighter, uh, you know, um, there was, uh, like Marvel's Capcom, a lot of the 2d fighting games, those kind those are the ones that I really liked. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now uh, this is totally a sidebar, but do you have, uh, friendships or for lack of a better word, friendships with people online that you don't have out, you know, like through the game? Uh, uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the light line of people we can just click. So, you know, it was, uh, there's because a, my son has been playing soul caliber for like ever. He's got cats uh -huh. on there. He's known for 10 years on yeah. soul caliber. <laughs> and I understand they come out with like a soul caliber six or something. And that's supposed to be like a really big deal. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, people look forward to that. No, I'm just gonna say I kind of missed the uh, the you know uh, the online era for the most part. But mm -hmm. what happened was all all of my best friends we met through video games, gotcha. fighting games. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So then, of course, the question becomes: How did this love for the video games kind of translate into this? Uh, you know, this uh, this it's not an antihero. This guy who beats up bullies, but he the way I understand the character, he started out in a regular school of regular folks, you know, they was picking on him or whatever. He was, he was able to get stronger through training. And then you sent him to another school where, where people got superpowers. Is that right? That's right. That's exactly right. So this guy don't <laughs> got no armor. He don't have no magic hammer. I mean, he's, he's just training. So what the hell, man? I mean, he's like, I, I climb the top of the mountain. Guess what? You see more mountains. Why you do this to him, brother? Why why you set your man up like that, man? What are you supposed to do? Uh, uh, you know that that uh, you know. I guess that's what it means to be authors to be a little bit of a safety uh, to your main character. So, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's 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 uh you know I I, it, it, I wanted to challenge myself as well too because it, it'd be too easy to you know to give him the magical hammer or the you know the super saiyan you know um, transformation and things like that. And uh, you know, and I wanted to make something that would challenge the reader as well too. You know, like he actually has to use his mind. Uh, to overcome these, uh, you know, these superpowered uh, students. So, this way, Wait, I, do, I do want to. I want to throw a quick thing in there. So, I, Justin. So, I, uh, you, you are, you and I are close to the same age. Yeah. So you, you uh, caught that Edo you know, period that, reference, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> but I'm getting past that, brother. I'm look. I'm past that. You attacking my? You try. You trying to break down my bully eater? Let me. Let me. Let me drop some knowledge on y'all. You know fully well that the coolest character in DC is Batman. 
Sure. Now, Superman can fly. Yeah. We all would love to fly, but Batman is by far the coolest character. And I think, you know, uh, with Bowie, you know, one of the things that, I, that I, I'm so enamored with, with the concept, and, and we're going to try to explore this more as the series goes on, is I love the idea that a Sal is not powered. I love the idea that he doesn't have, that, that he's against these characters who are far more powerful than him. I, we, we have a big crossover event coming soon that has all of our characters interacting with each other, which is something you rarely see in manga called Saturday Wars. And, uh, and I, I, like I, 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 literally, when I first had the idea for, for this particular crossover for all the characters, one of the main characters was a Sal, precisely because he is, to me, he's like the heart of what Saturday M is all about as a character. You know, he's like our Spider-Man. Because, you know, this is the guy who stands up to people who are far more powerful than he is. Yeah. And in this day and age we live in, in this day and age we live in, what could be more respected than standing up to people who are powerful? Mm. So I love that aspect of him. I, I, I think that's that's one of the best things about that character. Okay, okay, okay. Now, when I when I dropped that reference to the Edo period, I guess only people over 40 are going to catch it, but the, the the whole the whole idea was, you know, there was, you know, like uh, certain characters that would wander from place to place. Now, correct me, Andrea, if I'm wrong, but your character uh, is it Sagami? Uh, yes. Your character Sagami does she have like a? Is it kind of like a a wandering kind of theme? And she has two male companions. Is that? Can you can you explore? Uh, can just introduce my uh, audience to uh, Sagami. Uh, Sagami is a coming of age fantasy story. Mm-hmm. We follow the female lead character trying to find her way home from another world. And on her journey, uh, she has to learn about this new world, uh, her new companions, her newfound powers, and the special military order of the Sagami. And most importantly, she has to find out who she is and where does she belongs in these worlds. Mm. Now, uh, I was asking my daughter before I came on, I said, hey, hey, tell me what the, the mangas you used to buy back in the day. One of them was called Tokyo Mew Mew. I was like, damn, I can't <laughs> use that on the show. That sounds funny. And then the other one was, uh, oh, man, I can't remember the other one. I did try to buy her a copy of Read or Die, but I think that content was a little mature. <laughs> I didn't know, man. <laughs> All I knew was the yeah, real thing at the time. So, um, so... Where does your content fall, Andrea? Is it more the reader died side or Mew Mew side? Or like, where is it? <laughs> I would go for a solid middle ground. Okay. If I want to compare it to other popular series, uh, I would say it's like uh, Inuyasha meets Legend of Korra. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got you. I'm with Inuyasha. We, that was his regular family thing on, uh, was it Adult Swim? I'm yeah, Adult Swim. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Wow. Adult Swim kind of took the place of Saturday morning cartoons in my mind. I remember waking up early, you know, back then, this is in ancient times, y'all. We had Super Friends, and we had Croft or something, and then we had Herculoids and all that shit. And then whatever happened, the cable industry or whatever, the Illuminati, they stopped it. And so I understand from my last conversation with, with Frederick, that that was a little bit of the inspiration behind, you know, the Saturday AM brand. Um, so your audience, are they younger? Are they older? Are they, you know, male, female? Have you guys got any demographics so far? Uh, yeah, I, I think, would say uh, it's, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go go ahead. Ahead. No, no, you go ahead. 
Go ahead, just go ahead. Oh, you're so polite. Oh. <laughs> I told you it's they got a, a great family name. affair. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful, man. Well, so, no, so uh, Frederick, listen, what's uh, your demographics like when you're with Saturday? Yeah, no, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna pick, piggyback on what Andreas said about Saigon. Which, by the way, I wanna, you know, I wanna uh, talk about what she said about Inuyasha because that was such a big moment. You're right. Okay. Uh, in manga in America, Inuyasha was one of the most most popular anime and manga in America uh, during the early 2000s. I mean, a lot of people referenced Dragon Ball before Naruto came, but that, but during that period, what people forget is on, on Cartoon Network slash Adult Swim, Inuyasha was huge. And so, uh, so yeah, so Inuyasha is a, it's one of the things I love about Saigami because it is, it is unabashedly a female-centric story. This is a cute young girl, She's brave. She's in a fantasy land. This is stuff. This is the sort of stuff you see in a Disney movie, you know. But yet, this is a young woman though who's got this hidden power. She's you know she's prepared to 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 you know step into some really dangerous situations to learn more about her background, to learn more about her powers, and uh, and and become the sort of hero that we know she can be. So, I think it's a great series for young women. And I will say this real real quickly that when we've gone on conventions. What has what has surprised me, and that's what's always great about you know being in charge of a company like this. What has surprised me has been uh, the response to men to the property, and that's the part where I think there's a real Inuyasha vibe because a lot of men really like the property as well, and they've really responded to Andrea's characters and her artwork and things like that. But you're absolutely right. When Adult Swim came out, there was this thing where Saturday morning cartoons had shifted. Because the problem was happening, and this, again, is something very clear about Saturday AM, is that we have to remember, uh, Jonathan, so you and I were kids, the Super Friends and Scooby-Doo and, uh, you know, uh, that, that sort of, you know, Johnny Quest and that sort of stuff was coming on a Saturday morning. That was, that was well, during the, the Edo period. That was the Edo period, right. <laughs> well, when that was happening, when that was happening, well, it, one of the things that, 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 that a lot of young people always kind of look at us like we're cross-eyed about is when they finally get a chance to see it, they're like, wait a minute, y'all were jumping up and down about this? Amazing, like right? The, characters, the yeah. characters never punched each other. They never they never had romance. They never, like, nothing cool ever happened. And I think Adult Swim, what it did, right, was that a lot, you know, we were going through that period in America where animation was being challenged to say, this can be cool stuff for adults. But, but because we still had this idea of animation being for kids, then they had to make it come on in the evening because you had stuff that was violent, right? Like if, yeah. you, if you sanitize Dragon Ball and you took away all the violence, well, then what is Dragon Ball, right? And so, so that, that's what really, I think, became the thing. And I think this is why, when I use the analogy about hip-hop, I think this is what makes manga, kinda, manga and anime kind of hip-hop, right? Because the kids who love manga and anime love it precisely because it is unlike American stuff. The, the, the minute you start getting blood and characters getting, you know, beaten down and, and characters getting blasted in the face and this, that, and the other, it's violent, it's weird, it's different. Sometimes it's kind of sexual. And if you're a young kid, let's, let's call it what it is, that's stuff that you were like, oh, man, I, this, ain't, this, ain't, this ain't happening on, on Scooby-Doo. This ain't happening on, uh, you know, uh, Care Bears and stuff like that. So, so you instinctively have kind of a, uh, a reaction to it that's kind of like, ooh, this is kind of dangerous. I shouldn't be watching this. And it becomes a really powerful thing for young people. I think it, it, it just to piggyback on what you just said, it kind of goes back to uh, what Andrea said, that middle ground. Cause when we were kids, mm -hmm. you had Scooby-Doo and then you had heavy metal magazine. 
and I don't remember too much in between. But with this manga, it's there's like a whole lot of land in between those two poles, kind of a thing. Um, uh, uh-huh. It's a whole lot of land. So let's get a little bit deeper into uh, the characters now. One uh, character that we we haven't talked about, obviously. Uh, early on was um, Clock Striker, and so let's talk about some of your your, your books, uh, uh, Frederick Clock Striker. Can you hit my audience to who uh, Clock Striker is? You know the book and the property. Well, you know I, I talked about it last time I was on the show, so I'm not. I won't spend a lot of time on. I'll just be real quick with just the bullet points on it because I, I want to make sure that you know we talk about these great creators we got here, Brea and Raymond and, and White. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that you know again. It's, Saturday M stands for diversity. So it was important for me to make sure we had some series that reflected that diversity. So Clock Striker is kind of like Naruto. You know, it's a singular uh, character. There's some other characters who, who will become two series, but it's about a singular character who wants to be the best. And in this case, uh, she wants to be what they call a smith. And smiths in her world are like blacksmiths are, you know, in our history. You know, they were people that were injured. They were the early engineers, the early weapon builders, the early bridge builders, things like that. And so the, the blacksmith uh, in her world is like this super, it's like, a, you know, they're warriors. They, they go where the danger is. They, they build things that can help people. They also build really cool weapons that can, you know, destroy people and stuff. And so she wants to be a smith and help people. But just like in our world today, when it comes to engineers, young, uh, young, young people of color, and young and young girls in particular are never encouraged at the same rate that uh, the young white kids are, and so uh, so she experiences a sort of prejudice, and uh, she's determined to overcome it. She's very spunky, she's smart, she's uh, loyal, and uh, and so you know the, the series when we when we revealed it was immediately successful. Immediately had people excited about it. We continue to sell a lot of prints and stuff of it, even though we've gone through a bit of a transition with the artist. So. So, uh, so it's going to return in issue 100. Really excited about that. And then the other series I have is called Massively Multiplayer World of Ghosts. Uh, this is illustrated by an amazing creator out of uh, New Zealand named Oscar Fong. And this, if, if Clock Striker is shown in manga's first black female lead character, which which it is, oh, wow. then massive, Massively Multiplayer World of Ghosts is shown in manga's first Indian American lead character or Indian lead character. Uh, this is a young boy named Neelai Rao, and he, uh, you know, he's just a normal kid. You know, he deals with prejudice in his own way, in the sense that you know, Indian Indian people typically are expected to be overachievers, and he's not anything like that. So, uh, so, but his mother uh, has seemingly abandoned him when he was a kid, and it turns out that she was actually part of this really ancient clandestine group that could summon these kind of video game type characters and do battle. So he is now destined to become one of these people who controls this, this world of ghosts, these, these big, giant, colorful avatars that can come about and protect, uh, you know, protect him or fight other people and things like that. So he's uh, kind of uncovering his destiny, kind of like Harry Potter. And, uh, and I'm really proud of that series because they are kind of working with this amazing young artist that we discovered from New Zealand. And two, because... I grew up with a best friend who was Indian. I've worked with many Indians in my neighborhood. Now I live near a lot of Indians and, and it is extraordinary to me that we don't have a scenario where there's more Indian characters who are treated with dignity and, and, uh, and opportunity. So I'm really excited to have that character, uh, become successful. Mm. You mentioned, uh, issue, uh, 100 of the, uh, 
Saturday AM magazine. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, super proud that we've gotten to this point, Jonathan, uh, as you know, anytime you work on a project, uh, you know, a creative project, to just make it to, uh, Dude. to just, just make it to the next issue. Or the I, next I feel like we live in, in the era of one shots. I talk to so many yeah. people, man. They come up with a book fanfare and then whoosh. So and for y'all to come up to issue a yeah. hundred, not including all the other print books and everything, which we'll talk about. That is amazing. That's, that's quite a, an achievement. Well, I, thank you for that. And again, like I said, we, we, we know, uh, uh, you know, we would not have gotten here uh, without, you know, Raymond and Andrea and White and, and all the creators that we've had, you know, from all over the world. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine when we started that we would get this far. I think we dreamed about it. But to get here uh, is a real testament to the people who uh, have supported us, both our fans and our creators. Uh, we spent a lot of long nights doing this stuff. And so it's been really amazing. But, but you know, I, the, Again, I think a lot of young people who are, who are going to listen to this, I think the one thing I would say to them is, you know, uh, you know Bill Maher is, Jonathan, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so Bill Maher had an anniversary special recently. And I, even I did not realize how long he had been on. And they asked him the same question. Larry King, Larry King oh, asked wow. him the same question. He goes, he says, he says, what is your, he goes, what's your greatest uh, thing that you can think of uh, with your show at this point? He goes, just being on air for 25 years. I mean, wow. and it's like the way he said it, you know, Larry King, like had this grin on his face and it's like, and again, I think a lot of young people to your point, like they just think this stuff is so instant. Yeah. And, but like, you know, Larry King was like, brother, I felt like, I mean, you know, as a black man, you know, I, you know, that look, yep. Larry King looked at Bill Maher, two white men. And I'm saying the look he gave him was like, brother, you ain't lying. Yeah. Cause to get this far, is something like TV or anything that's creative and entertainment oriented is really hard. It mm-hmm. is really hard. And, uh, and so again, like I said, man, I, I'm just blessed that, that, that we were able to assemble this team and that they've been so committed to helping us get to where we are, but we were excited to be here. I wish we had some gigantic party and stuff planned for it, but, but, uh, to just get here and have our fans with us and have people like you giving us a chance to talk about it. It's really exciting. I have in my hand a copy of Apple Black, Volume One, uh, written and penned by uh, uh, the the phenomenon known as White Manga. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Great. Good, good, uh, good. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, let me ask you this, man. Now, tell to correct me if this if the if this, the story is incorrect, but what I heard was is that Fred was going around recruiting for talent. And he found you in like a daycare center and he put a pen in your hand and you just started drawing manga. He drafted you young, man. man. Is that what happened? Just tell me a doomsday, man. Child Protective Services. Tell me, brother. That's you a, need help. A, you all right? Nobody, uh, that's, ex- that's, exactly, that's exactly how it happened. That's exactly how it happened. Uh, Wyatt, that, nobody told that crazy man that. And he is, he is, he is, he, uh, Wyatt, Wyatt, you might need, Wyatt, you might need to get him to write your comic book. Because he is all... He, He's on it tonight. He is on it tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> man, he said he found you in a rocket, crashed in his backyard, man, from the planet. So tell, so tell now, me. Now, look, that, that's almost true, Jonathan, because <laughs> I tell you, when we, when, we, when we think about, someone asked me the other day about White, and they said, they said, they said, well, what, you know, what's, what's the craziest thing about having, you know, White on your team? I said, the craziest thing, and Jonathan, again, you can appreciate this being older, is when you have... When you have been around successful people, 
Yeah. When you've had a successful career and you see somebody that you're like, oh my God, I see, like, I, like you see the next Michael Jordan. Right. You see the next Lionel Messi. And when you see, like, it's, it's so bizarre to think <laughs> that you see it, but when you see it, you're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that's real. Like, that's not... You know, like my my, co- my cousin can draw, but this co- this kid is real. Right, right, right. He's on a different level, and that and so it really it really kind of was like Superman dropping that space because because when when Raymond was actually the one who introduced me when he brought White to my attention, I'll never forget we were sitting there looking at his stuff, and I was just like, whoa! Like I mean, it's every time I, the page would flick on the website, and I would see a new page, I kept thinking like, oh, oh, oh! It just kept getting better and better. So. Wow. Yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't, he didn't, uh, we didn't invent him, but mm-hmm. I tell you, we, we were amazed that we found him for sure. That's cool, that's cool. I mean, I guess there was some serendipity in that. I mean, uh, White, were you looking for uh, a team to work with? I mean, you know, how did, how did you guys meet up? How did it come about? Like, how did you meet um, Raymond, for example? The, yeah, uh, at the time, at the time, um, and Fred usually used, uh, uses this phrase where, um, the internet and web comics. So in, in, at that time, everybody kind of had, and to a degree still today, people have their works on several websites and just trying to put their work out there however they can, taking advantage of social media as best, you know, as best as possible. So that's kind of like what we're doing. That's the game that was being played. Raymond was playing the same game at the time. Um, but I, I've always had I've always had the goal of, or to a degree, the dream of having something similar to, say, like a Shonen Jump or a, a digital magazine or a magazine that would be an anthology that will encompass all these uh, titles, great diverse titles that, that are currently joining the roster and things like that. So I met Raymond on a site called Inglazers. Actually, I probably met Raymond before that on the DeviantArt, but... Uh, yeah. We only started to talk a little bit. To talk a little bit um, once Inglazers rolled around. Once Inglazers rolled around, and uh, we put our comics on the website. So okay. that's how I met Raymond, and I'm sure that that's how Raymond kind of showed Fred my work, and and then you know the rest of history has been great. Wow. Okay. All right. Amazing. 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 So we have a a genuinely diverse group of creators and characters. And I say genuinely because you're not doing what DC and Marvel is doing, making this character black and who used to be white and making this a woman when he used to be a dude. And you know what I mean? It's kind of artificial, you know, because you guys are, you know, you're, you're bringing some, now here's, here's a question that I have. The, the, when I first got introduced to manga, it was, um, I didn't know it was manga. <laughs> it was a Japanese comic book. It was um, Maycross. Now, you know I have to talk to Fred on this one. It was, it was yeah, Maycross. Yeah, no, Robotech. Exactly, yeah, Robotech. Robotech. The, the, I guess the biggest difference I saw, and you guys, please correct me if I'm wrong, was that you guys cared more about the development of the character and their relationships than superpowers and world ending events. Is that like the, the, the dividing line between the majority of, of the manga and, 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 you know, Western comics? I think, um, yeah. I, so there's a couple of things. I think, I think ultimately 
you can make the case that that's the way that manga is separated a little bit from American comics. But I, to me, I think I think yeah, I give a good example of this about uh, One Piece. And you know One Piece, right? Yeah, I still don't understand yeah, why that's popular, but yes, okay, One Piece. No, listen, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not as I'm not nearly as fond of it right. as other people are. We we've had some people in our group who love it. There's a young man named Jay Oden is a big fan of it, mm-hmm. and it's huge in Japan. But I've never understood why it's as popular as it is. Right. I'll say this though: they've got a character, the main character, who can stretch. Right mm-hmm. now, you and I again, you and I, are, uh, blue-blooded African Americans. Yep. We grew up in the comic industry. We've you know in the '70s watching uh, all this stuff. Yep. Mr. Fantastic. Remember when we were kids, Plastic Man had a TV show. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. So, Briefly, yep. so mm-hmm. we, we, yeah, we, we are from our world, our country created the superhero as everyone around the world understands. And yet the Japanese can take a concept as silly as Plastic Man or Mr. Fantastic's made for completely different mm-hmm. than it had ever been, you know, in, in, in traditional American comic books. So, so again, I think there is a fluidity to manga that is unencumbered by the way we do comics in America. Meaning that in America, the guy has to wear a superhero, the guy girl has to wear a superhero costume. They have to be unequivocally good, right? Mm-hmm. And they're fighting somebody who's unequivocally bad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that person's trying to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And in, in manga, it's really fluid, right? It's, it's, it's various things are going on. You talk about lacrosse. In Macross, the story, at least, at least uh, the first part of Robotech with Macross, the story is all about the fact that, you know, humanity has kind of stumbled upon something, yeah. and now they're trying to keep it for themselves, and there's another alien technology, another alien race who wants it back. Mm-hmm. And it's about a war that breaks out because humanity or the humans found something that didn't belong to them, and are like, we're keeping it. <laughs> and, I mean, that literally is it, right? Yeah. And so... So I think so I think that, that you know manga touches on things when it's successful. Manga and anime touch on things that that have a real human philosophy and core to it that makes the stories really different, really interesting, uh, impactful. Whereas American superhero comics tend to be more psychological, right? About you know why, why this person is doing X. The questions that manga tend to pose tend to be broader. You know, it's more philosophical in the broader sense. I think with Saturday AM, we're trying to thread the we're trying to thread the needle in the middle. Okay. So we're trying to go right down the middle and say, look, some of these questions that are philosophical in nature, that are talk about humanity and life, they're really powerful and they should be explored. But we also have to get to the heart of the individual character that reflects those choices. A la, if you have a black female character, if I have a black Batman, his concerns are going to be different than a white Batman. And, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday M does not, we don't shy away from that acknowledgement, whereas a lot of other companies would shy away from that. So Wait a minute, are you, are you trying to tell me y'all get political in these manga books? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I mean, I do. I mean, I, every creator is different, but I certainly do. I, and, I, and I encourage all, the, all of our creators to as well, certainly. That's interesting. I mean, you know, the, you know keep in mind, that we've got some, for, for, so, so for instance, we have a young girl right now, uh, two young girls. I won't say what country they're from but i will say their countries are in the news right now mm-hmm. and uh and we and, and i'm talking to these girls you know every couple of weeks about you know how to take what they're experiencing in their country and put it forth in their work in a way that doesn't a, get them in trouble but at the same time offers some real insight into what that must be like for someone in that situation in those countries right now so mm. 
I think, you know, White's from Nigeria. You know, White brings a host of Nigerian ideas to Apple Play. He can talk about that himself. Andrea has a lot of things about European culture and, and especially she brings forth through, uh, through uh, Saigami. So we, I try to encourage the creators, and in some cases, creators who have never been encouraged to do this, I try to push them to be more aggressive towards their cultural background because I do think politics, if done correctly, have a chance to really inform a really cool story. So I'm going to go one by one and, and, and ask, you know, uh, you know, Raymond, Andrea and, uh, and, and white, you know, some, some, I guess a culturally specific question, but let me just say this. Um, I, I, I don't know about Fred, but I would definitely say I'm an old head in the game. And, um, when I was in college, my first roommate was from, uh, was from the, the UAE, United Arab Emirates. He came with gel in his hair and a leather jacket talking like Fonzie off Happy Days. And I was like, damn, dude, why don't you, why don't you be yourself, baby? You know what I mean, kind of a thing. And then uh, an Indian cat came from, uh, you know, India. And he was talking. He was wobbling his head when he talked. I thought that shit was the coolest thing, right? You know what I mean? And he said, don't do that, man. You're in America. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I like what the guy, you know what I mean? Like, kick a freestyle or something. The, the thing, I think the thing that, that, that makes people's voices interesting is when they come authentic. You know what I'm saying? Is when they come authentic. So, um, uh, Raymond, talking about a, a bully eater. Um, was there other than your love for fight games, was there any other kinds of uh, observations of experiences that you feel like you bring to this character that maybe you didn't see in manga? Um, yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I try, yeah, I try to, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, um, you know, life can be a bully, you know, you know, whether it comes, you know, you know, work, um, you know, dealing with coworkers, dealing with, uh, you know, people in school and things like that. You know, I, I wanted to bring a lot of that stuff to the story because, um, Asal, you know, you know, you know, he doesn't win all the time, you know, and, and that's how life goes sometimes. Sometimes you just don't win. But the, uh, I think where the, the story shines is that, uh, it shows him how, how he overcomes the losses when he does, uh, lose and how he applies to his next one and you know, how you, how you just have to keep striving, even though, you know, things don't turn out the way it should be planned. And so. Now it's funny that you, 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 you said that your character doesn't always win now. Uh, so he doesn't break out a sword at the end and slash the robot down the middle and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? it sounds like, it sounds like you're trying to convey some, some heavier messages other than, you know, I mean, t tell me a, a little bit about this character. Do you explore his family in this book? I mean, is he just a guy on an island? I mean, tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, he's he's basically, um, you know, a, a stranger to the school. Just like, just like anybody, you know, when you start a new job or go to a new school, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of on your own. Um, he did, uh, he, you know, he does find a handful of friends that, you know, that, that do kind of help him. But most of the time, the school is designed by nature to be, uh, to be, you know, uh, you know, martial arts, you know, fighting basically. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's a really uh, difficult place to, to find friends and, and to keep them because eventually you'll uh, end up having to fight them at some point. So, um, but yeah, he, um, you know, when, when he goes to school, one of the things that he, he has a heart for besides trying to get stronger is he really hates to see, 
um, you know, the, the weaker pressed. He hates to see people, you know, getting, you know, picked on or not getting a fair shot and to the point sometimes to his detriment. You know, a lot of times the losses come because he sticks his nose in a fight that, that he probably knows he can't win, but if it can help the person that, uh, that he's fighting for to either get away or to learn something, he's all about jumping in there and taking the L. But uh, he, he will go down with, you know, he won't go down without a fight regardless, so. Okay, okay, okay. Andrea. Now, I want to make sure I pronounce your, your, your books properly. It's, uh, it's Saigami, is that right, or Saigami? It's Saigami. Saigami, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now, in the, in the Saigami uh, manga, um, just a little bit of, of what I, I, I read, read on it, is it like that teenage angst kind of thing, I'm trying to find myself kind of scenario? Or is it similar to what uh, Raymond was saying with Billy Eater? She's trying to get stronger, whatever strong means to her. Can you talk a little bit about the core of the character? Uh, I would say, yes, it's closer to Raymond's version. Uh, not necessarily to get stronger in fights, but uh, get strong enough in life to to face reality, to face uh, sometimes you have to make choices and you don't know what kind of choices you're making. Sometimes you can't make them and, uh, to stand her ground in any kind of situation because she's in a one new world, one new situation. She feels completely lost, but she still has to find her, her place and, uh, her part in this new world. Mm -hmm. Now is, does her family play a part in this character development or no? Uh, partially. Yes. Um, the story starts uh, with uh, the main character receiving a letter from her father, so that's uh, what starts up the event. But at the same time, while uh, uh, still looking for her father, she also carries the weight that her relationship with her mother is not the best. Uh, her childhood had uh, the divorce of her parents, so she has to face uh, not just, you know, of fantasy trouble like main characters, but she also has to face realistic problems like um, everyday problems. Now, you know, divorce is such a heavy blow to somebody. I mean, DC just killed the characters in the alley. They ain't even divorced them. They just like, ba-bam, you know what I mean? He became, you know, a, you know, an angry superhero. You dealt, I mean, so her her parents were divorced in this book? Yes. Wow, that is heavy. That is heavy. That is heavy. So do you... Real life, Jonathan? Huh? I said that's real life. That's that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what y'all are telling me, man. I mean, I haven't heard Krypton mentioned yet. I mean, y'all going real. God. Look, I, if, I, if I can have it, Jonathan, don't be surprised we drop a character next week. It's got high blood pressure and high cholesterol. <laughs> Sugar man. <laughs> we'll, we'll call him normal guy. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. So, so another, another question, Andrea. Now she travels with two companions. Is that correct? So are these guys her protectors? Uh, I mean, like, kind of describe the dynamic with her and, and the two companions. And give, give us their names, please. Um, so the names of the guys are uh, Sean and Reggie. Um, yes, first, they are kind of like protectors, but at the same time, they are like uh, teachers as well. Like, they are introducing the word, the powers, everything. Uh, 
to Ayumi. So they are friends. They teach each other. They learn and grow together. And the Saigami also has romantic elements. So there's that kind of bond as well. Wow. Okay. Okay. So if there's a romantic element at times, is there ever any competition between the, the two guys or no? Uh, not necessarily. No, okay. it's, it's a bit more straightforward. So not necessarily a love triangle. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. All right. All right. Hmm. All right. So white or apple black. I got through, I think maybe half of the book. Uh, I read slow. So uh, I got through like half of the book. And, uh, and so when I, my impression was, okay, this is a, a similar kind of coming of age, a school. Why does school figure so much into Japanese manga? Can anybody answer? I mean, I mean, I know they do other shit besides go to school. You know what I mean? It's like in the last uh, cartoon, I think, or animation, I think I read was high school of the dead. Don't judge me. I mean, I was watching the shit out of that joint. <laughs> Somebody judging me, man. I can feel it. So, so why, why does, why does schools factor so much in manga? Can you answer that? I'll say, uh, from, from my perspective, I feel like it's tied into the audience that the content is aiming towards. So in this case, most of the people who are reading this are going to school and, you know, they wish they could go to a school that, maybe was all fantastic, fantastical and had all these crazy stuff going on. And it kind of uh, is a, um, a way to escape into a different world and then reimagined in, you know, this exciting, magical way. And so I think that's, that's a, that's a, that plays a key role, even when it's not so fantastical. Uh, looking at, you know, High School of the Dead, for, for instance, you have... You know, what will happen if something like that happened? And it's not too far off for people in the audience to imagine it because everybody, almost everybody went to school or the, most of the people who are reading it or consuming that content are currently going to school. So I feel like that just plays a role. It's just escapism. Uh, I think maybe the uh, reason why high school is really, really into that, again, ties into the demographic of young readers who are most of them consuming that particular content are still in school. Um, and I think generally, primarily, that would be the reason I, I think that happens usually. Now with Apple Black, though, um, not going to spend that much time in school. Uh, even like one of the new series that are coming there that's currently out right now, like uh, My Hero Academia, that's it's literally school. It's about school for superheroes. And, you know, the ideas usually have been done before and at uh, on a base level but i think it comes down to execution and, and for an idea where the main characters all go to school we've seen that several times and it's not just in anime you know you can look to harry potter and things like that so it's not just a japanese thing but um i'll say it's also interesting to see how new creators and new ideas come together to execute this very basic idea in very interesting and new ways. Uh, that said, with Apple Black, with Apple Black, I'm not going to be spending that much time in the school. So it's not, I wouldn't view it as a, um, a to a degree, it is that because it's uh, the, the ensemble is with young characters. 
yeah. and they will spend some time there and you will have that dynamic in there, but I'm not going to spend too much time there. Um, and we'll move on from that. But just to answer your question, I feel primarily it just comes down to the demographic and something they're familiar with and everybody likes to see it executed in a new way. And some people want to imagine what it would be like to be in that world and see how you could parallel their current world with teachers, but then having all these twists where here, maybe the detention for this school is they'll send you to hell for like a couple, like literal hell for like, a, I don't know, a couple, a couple minutes and bring you back, like just stuff like that. And I think oh, wow. people find it very uh, in- interesting and engaging. Okay. And that was just an example that I, I, I actually don't know of a series that actually has detention when you send a kid to literal hell. I'm just stuff like that. And I think uh, kids or people who have maybe had an interesting life with high school will find that interesting. No, I can dig it. I mean, I think school is important. I mean, I graduated from Xavier School for Gifted Kids in 87. I don't know where uh, where Frederick or, or Raymond graduated, what years they graduated, but um, what you just mentioned... Was, huh? <laughs> so Raymond graduated from the, yeah, from the Gotham Ghetto Academy, and I graduated from Metropolis. <laughs> Metropolis Academy, uh, and uh, so I, you know, so we we took different paths in life, but took different paths. I still count Raymond as a brother. I took count Raymond as a brother always. Now, uh, <laughs> now, uh, White, you kind of you kind of dropped some dark uh, themes uh, there a minute ago, and I know that there is a more mature uh, set of offerings that uh, that Saturday PM has. Can you talk a little bit about that Saturday PM? Yes. So Saturday PM is uh, you, it's mirroring Saturday AM in certain ways, but uh, the difference would be that the ideas and the stories that will be told on the Saturday PM roster would be a little more mature and would be a little more experimental on all fronts, whether it be story or art, and just explore more mature themes. So if AM was more for kids, uh, the PM would be more for adults. Um, and um, kind of tying everything uh, together, I have a series in uh, PM called Bakasi, which more even more so than Apple Black, I draw a lot of uh, inspiration from my my heritage, where I'm from, Nigeria, and certain things in Nigeria, and putting a little twist on it and uh, experiencing that and executing that in a new, interesting way here. Also tying in tying it into a, a more American culture to a degree and just putting that together. And so even the title of a copy is actually derived from a vigilante group in Nigeria for, for, for a little bit. It's almost like a myth. Most people do. It's one of those, it's one of those stories you hear from, you hear, but you never see, mm-hmm. but you know, everybody knows, everybody knows about it. Uh, most people who've ever lived in Nigeria for a couple of years, for the past couple of years will be able to, once you mention the name, They'll be able to let you know. Even when uh, Bakasi came out, just the, just the name alone, even though mine is spelled a little different, I spell Bakasi B A C A S S I, but it's usually in in, in Nigeria is B A K A S S I. And even in it's even been depicted or adapted into uh, Nigerian movies as well. Uh, and uh, they do a lot of stuff with that. So the vigilante group is basically a group of uh, individuals that kind of take justice into your own hands and sometimes is often referred to as jungle justice to where in some cases where the police can't get involved, whether it be for corruption or for whatever reason, they mm-hmm. kind of take, um, they kind of become judge, jury and executioner by themselves. And 
it's they deliver swift judgment right there and then to where they have um if somebody let's say somebody gets caught and this, this is real life now i'm now i'm talking real life right mm. if somebody say if somebody stole something from like the market and was running and like people everybody would do what they can to capture that person but if they get captured by like say bakasi and the bakasi group and call them a group gang whatever you want to call them they they would find you judge you right there and they may not kill you depending on the severity of what the crime we committed they'll cut off a limb or limbs or whatever they want to do with that and uh, oh, wow. there were also some there were some other rumors where they would have a cutlass they'll put a cutlass right next to your like your shoulder almost like back in the day when a english knight gets knighted and you know the king would put the sword on both shoulders yeah. and, and, and to knight that person here they'll put it on the shoulder and literally i think this is ridiculous but this is what everybody this is what this is the story that this is the story that goes around the sword literally like heats up you know when you you know put a uh, metal and it turns like really red because of the heat. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it almost heats up like a thermometer. And if the whole, it, it's almost like a measuring stick, measuring how evil this person is. So it yeah. increases. It incre- If it's full, they'll kill you. If it's like halfway through, they'll cut off a limb or cut off limbs and things like that. So that's these are the there are many stories about them. Some I find hard to believe, but this is like part of. Nigeria, like people know what I'm talking about. And so I took elements of that, elements of that, and they almost seem like a brotherhood. Even when they come across police, there are things where the police can't shoot them or the bullets don't hurt them at all. And they are afraid, uh, the other word uh, is a Nigerian word called Odeshi. And that's kind of like uh, nothing you can do would hurt me kind of thing that they just say, but like bullets don't hurt them, things like that don't hurt them. They're almost like vampires, you kind of have to cut up your head. Yeah. This is this is real life. This is real. Life. So are you gonna are you I'll gonna draw him fucking up the Boko Haram or something? I mean, what's what's going on? Yeah. So so the thing here is I'm taking elements of that and pulling it into this world in Bakasi where um, humans and demons have kind of migrated together and they live on Earth uh, because of maybe crisis in their own realms and with these demons. And so this is like after, this is just world building where in this setting, this is say after them migrated. This is, they're, they're already part of American culture. So mm-hmm. you walk across the street, the, your taxi, your taxi driver could look like a foot, like his head could be a literal foot. And, you know, instead of nails, you, instead of like fingernails, you know, well, toenails, it'll just be like eyeballs or something like that. Like everybody's beard, they have dragons flying in the sky. And, 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 and in this set of the world, it's just normal. Imagine walking out of, uh, walking in streets of New York and you look up and you see like a giant just walking around and that's normal. So this wow. is like how years after, this is years after uh, migration is taking place and they've kind of assimilated into this world. And so in Bakasi, I explore themes of how uh, a new dimension of how this new set of people would be treated by the humans that were there already. Right. So how do, do there will be people that don't want these people to these to migrate into the world uh, that they, they feel like they're taking their jobs or whatever it is. And so I'm, I, I'm exploring new ideas with that and how that would uh, play out, especially when the humans themselves have their own issues. 
And um, now you realize that the so energy I, you're giving me for Bacasi is different than Apple Black. I know you love both properties and everything, but there's a dark side that this uh, this property satisfies. That's what I'm picking up. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll be excited to see uh, see uh, what you're putting down on this, man. This this is interesting. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so that that's basically the Bacasi kind of be that. And the reason it's called Bacasi is because the lead character used to be part of uh, a gang called Bacasi mm-hmm. that were very that were very anti anti demon, right? But now he is kind of in a position where he wants to redefine what the group stood for, and he still gets criticized for even being part of the group. And everybody has like a tattoo. All of them have like a uniform tattoo, and he has one uh, below his eye. Gotcha. And so he gets criticized. He gets criticized for being part of that group, but he's trying to redefine the group since now the group has kind of been, to a degree, almost killed off. It's kind of like the last member, but everybody remembers the group as being that very hateful group. So he's trying to redefine it. And the new members of the group have is more diverse, with more demons, more humans as well. Okay. And it's and the the story, even though the setting is pretty dark. The uh, there will be there are stories within it that are much lighter of like this new Bakasi group and, and like going through all sorts of shenanigans in this very new exciting diverse gotcha. Gotcha. demonic slash normal world. Okay, okay, wow, man. So it, it, you guys definitely uh, arrange the gamut. We got the you know I, it sounds like this Bakasi uh, is Bakasi is like the polar opposite of maybe what Andrea's putting down with, uh, with Shagami. So, so let me ask you guys this, and I want to, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we've been on the phone for a minute. Um, so I'm new to manga say, right? I'm new to manga, but I'm a creator. I'm new to manga. I'm a creator. What kind of advice would you give somebody in, in, in my position? I can draw, maybe I'm not the best artist in the world, but I like my stuff. I think I have a very important story to tell. Uh, Raymond, what kind of advice would you give somebody in that situation? So basically you're asking someone who is new to making manga and like what steps would they take if they are, say, maybe not as good with the arts? Is that what you're asking? All my friends tell me I'm the best artist in in our team and in our crew. I mean, I think I'm the best thing for sliced (laughs) bread. You know, I got a story about five robots that change up and connect into one big robot. You ain't never seen that before. I mean, what kind of advice would you give somebody, you know, who wants to get, you know, like, for example, when I was in high school, I went to Portfolio Day. I thought I was a terrific artist, right? They had a Portfolio Day University of, um, uh, it was called the Maryland, Arts, the Maryland Institute of Art, I think, back then. And I saw this cat named George Perez. I, I, again, I, I think... Everybody know, and I said I need to become a graphic designer. (laughs) When I saw that dude, they were their boards were like like three feet tall and two feet wide. That's the first thing. The second thing, I I I saw how I saw the pencils. I was like, oh my god, the pencils are so much better than ink. And I said I need to, you know, I need to become an accountant or something. You know what I mean? So I mean, sometimes people need to kind of get introduced. Uh, the last conversation Fred and I had, he, I called it uh, Fred's manga wake-up call. So, you know, how would you, uh, uh, Raymond, advise somebody to kind of see whether or not they're actually cut out to to be a manga creator? 
Well, I would say the main thing is, is, is tell the story. You know, if, you know, if you have a story that, that you, uh, that you want to tell and, uh, you know, it's our subjective always. So, uh, I would just say, go ahead and, you know, get the, get the story out best of your ability, you know, because, um, you know, if you do this long enough, you start to understand that kind of, you know, because you're improving, uh, the first time you do it, it's probably not going to be your best. So you might as well go ahead and get out of the way as soon as possible. So, um, that would be, that would be my advice. Just, uh, you know, get it out there. There'll be lessons that you learn from just doing it, you know, uh, not trying to make, you know, not waiting to for it to be perfect necessarily, but just getting it out there and doing it. There'll be lessons that you learn that you can apply to do more of it and uh, get to the, you know, and tell the stories that you want to tell. Okay. Okay. Uh, Andrea, I'm uh, I'm new to manga. Uh, should I spend like $200 on a Wacom pad and should I spend... Five hundred dollars on some software. I mean, to get started. I mean, what kind of advice would you give somebody uh, brand new to this manga vibration? Well, if someone's only starting out, you can always just uh, go with the easiest to get uh, art supplies. Not necessarily go digital, but even if you want to go digital, there are very good softwares for uh, affordable prices, uh, like the Comic Draw software that's very affordable for starters. Um, as you know, I would only invest in better art supplies if you're serious about it and you already see that you are willing to do this, you are willing to invest. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, White, I got 500 followers on InstaFace and they all tell me that my uh, manga character is the bomb. Uh, but I've never created a webcomic. Um, I don't, you know, have any completed stories or anything. Um, do you think it's still okay to approach Fred and say, Hey man, I think I'm the next, uh, you know, a, a dunze. I mean, how, what, what advice would you give somebody in that situation? Uh, ask, ask your, ask those fans for, for money first. If they, if they don't give you money, well, then there's your answer. Uh. <laughs> Okay. So it's like I would say I would say that if you've not if you're not like if you don't have experience within this realm, uh, like Ray right, Raina said, one of the best advice would be to start. And like when you start and you gain some ground and you're learning from the process, you then learn a lot, a lot about yourself as an artist, whether it's a good fit for you, whether you actually like making comics. There are a lot of people who can actually make really good illustrations. But when it comes to making comics, they don't know squat. Okay. They don't know where to begin. And so it's, it's very different. Nobody is going to take you seriously if, you only, if you're only listening to a small, very small percentage of uh, the tiny audience you have online and you're just going off of that. I think it will be a little naive, but it's normal. It's normal. It's not, I don't criticize anybody for it. Uh, I'll just say, that you should spend more time, like Raven said, starting, trying to learn, keep trying to improve, and uh, try to actually put a put. It's one thing to come out and say you're a comic artist. Actually, have a comic to show what you're capable of doing, and so you can be judged solely off of that. It's kind of similar to when somebody who only has an idea says that they're a writer, but they haven't written anything to for for anybody to judge. And, uh, and I don't mean written anything at all, but it might not even be a fictional story. It might just be, say, an article or, you know, some kind of news or a blog or whatever it is. 
but they haven't written a lick of anything. They just think they have an idea and they want to call themselves a writer. It's the same thing as somebody coming and saying they're a comic book artist, but they haven't illustrated any comic books so or any pages at all. So I think it's kind of, again, like Ray said, you kind of have to start and then just have something that people can go off of before you declare yourself anything or take uh, your, the word of your audience or anything. And also some people are just, it's the internet or people who follow you might be family members. Sometimes they want to be nice. And so if you can back it up with say, uh, if professional credible people are, are the ones making those statements about your work, then that's a different case. Okay. Okay. All right then rapid fire. Hey, Andrea, what is, uh, What's this uh, Sagami project I see on YouTube? What you doing? What's what's going on over here? <laughs> uh, well, that's my YouTube channel. Um, I'm doing some tutorials, some drawing videos. Uh huh. Wow. So yeah. is that also where you're <laughs> interacting with some of your fans? I mean, if somebody asks you a question, say, "Hey, you know, maybe I'm holding the uh, the pin backwards or something." I mean, do you help people out there? I mean, what what, what do you do? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of question answers during live streams and things like that. Um, but the most uh, of my followers, I think, are here for uh, tutorials. They also want to create manga, so I'm, I'm trying to help them with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mostly focus on, I guess, teaching people who come to my channel. Okay, okay. And I'm looking, I'm looking through the uh, Saturday AM media page, and I see that, White, you also have a YouTube channel. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, similar, similar to uh, Andrea's Saigami Project YouTube channel as well, where I do some art tutorials and sometimes I'll do just uh, fun il illustrations that people tend to enjoy. So I teach them things on um, becoming a comic book creator, a manga creator, whatever it may be. I teach them how to draw certain things, teaching them how to use certain software. And uh, overall, I'd say... If you really want to start, you can go watch all my videos. How about that? <laughs> but uh, but uh, I just teach them a bunch of stuff, and I have just some fun videos in there, like, say, maybe exploring the art style, art styles of uh, several series and maybe drawing one thing in several different art styles to kind of showcase what the differences are and, you know, why each one is so unique and things like that. And people tend to enjoy stuff like that. I've actually known... Uh, Andrea for uh, Andrea for a long time, much longer than Ray or before uh, before uh, Saturday AM and even Inklays and stuff like that. Because we both, I think she started YouTube before I did, but we we both have been kind of watching each other's stuff for I'd say since 20, 2011 or twenty ten. Okay. So so we've been we've been playing the YouTube game for a while. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Now, uh, Fred, I see that uh, Footprint has a channel, and so does uh, Saturday AM. Um, as we wrap up, can you tell me a little bit about uh, the issue? Because I just looked at issue 97. I think I just looked at issue uh, the issue 97. You guys are coming up on 100. I know you're not yeah. going to be popping bottles at this point, but there are some special things you have in the, in the magazine coming up on, on number 100. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about it? 
So first of all, I would say that you know, we have issue so issue ninety eight back out right now. It's got a spoon on the cover, okay. uh, which is a series uh, from a, a young man that is a creative from us uh, from Korea. Kind of collected, kind of like indie comic vibe, but uh, but a neat little series nonetheless. So uh, issue ninety nine, I think, will come out tomorrow. Oh, wow, okay. uh, and that has uh, Raymond. You know, Raymond's on the cover. That was a beautiful cover by Raymond for his character, Bull Eater. And then issue one hundred comes out uh the weekend of december 15th and what we are hoping to have in that issue without spoiling too much of it i would say that first of all you're gonna get all the big series in mm-hmm. there so apple black sagami bully eater uh clock striker massively multiplayer world of ghosts uh even some new series like soul beat and hammer will be in this issue so it's gonna be a really big issue with some of our most popular series um, beyond that, one of the things, you know, for folks who check out our magazine, you know, the, every issue is packed with, uh, other content as well. So we have interviews, we have articles and, uh, and we want to really make this a big thing, uh, for the future of the magazine as we look down the road to how to make it bigger and better. And so this issue is going to have some interviews I've been wanting to do for a very long time. It's going to feature, uh, kind of an overall theme you know how you pick up some magazines it's like and the issue has like a theme you know the theme mm-hmm. is inequality or racism well this is going to have a theme about the topic you're talking on which is independent comic book uh creators and uh so we're going to profile obviously our own uh situation of how we've grown in the last five years we're also going to touch on uh some of our competitors and, and where they've gone we're going to touch on uh, some of the companies that were around when we started that are no longer around today so we're going to try to touch on kind of like the, the arc of what it means to be an independent creator in this new digital era. It almost sounds like you're giving like a state of the union kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's, you know what? So, so I do this, uh, I've done this podcast uh, or, or YouTube show uh, called State of the Manga, where okay. I do, where I kind of talk about these things. But this is the first time we've done it. As you know, when you're, when you're talking about doing something either as a podcast, or as a uh, written article, uh, you have time to get more uh, more dense with it. You know, it's not just kind of you know Twitter sort of topical conversation. We can get really deep, mm-hmm. and so uh, so that's what we're trying to do with this issue is really get deep into the discussion about creativity and independent opportunities and 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 where it really goes. Because we got five years, right? So we got five years of talking about our wins and our losses, and also having that same conversation about other creators and other companies. So, so I'm really, I'm really excited about that. I think anybody who takes seriously the idea of creating content will want to get this issue. Cause it's going to be really cool issue for all sorts of reasons, but particularly uh, because of this thematic uh, uh, area that we're going in with, uh, with the uh, articles and, and interviews. Um, and I think again, to your point, I just want to touch on this real quickly. When you talked about the question of uh, young creators who, come to us who uh, want to create content, you know, you and I talked about this at length, so I won't go into this uh, that much from when we did our one-on-one, but I think, you know, my big thing for Saturday and for my footprint, I think one of the things that I care most about is is very much this idea of, of uh, trying to, to bring better representation. And I think sometimes when I talk this, you know, I talk about this in some of the conventions that we go to and stuff, and I talk about this and in public, uh, some speeches I've given or, or in, in, in uh, individual chats I might have uh, online with Saturday AM. But I think, again, I, can't, I think that too many young people really do not understand the, the, the profound 
impact of representation, right? Because one of the best things I've heard about representation is that it's not just about inspiring or representing for, you know, for another person of color. It's about representing and inspiring for people who are not, right? You know, the young, the young girl who is uh, inspired by Clock Striker, for example, or the young guy, the young African who wants to create manga and see someone like White Manga, or the young girl who wants to create manga and see someone like uh, Andrea, you know, they will be inspired, correct? They're going to be inspired. But once you get past that point, it's about, okay, but what about the kids who are not young girls? or who are not young Africans, or who are not young kids of color, we want them to also be inspired by the content that we see. So I'm, I'm hoping that we will be in a position to, uh, that, that, you know, when we talk about, you know, the 100th issue and the, the focus at and I really hope that that becomes more and more of the understanding because, you know, when it comes to these kids wanting to be future artists, at the end of the day, what they've got to try to focus on is uh, creating content that, that really speaks to other people, creating content that speaks to the broad breadth of, of, uh, of people around the world. And from that standpoint, you've got to have an online portfolio. You've got to be willing to try to create more diverse content. You've got to be willing to uh, 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 try, your, you know, try to do different things, not just you know, copy Dragon Ball and art or things like that. And you know, one of the things we have coming up, for example, is March Art Madness competition. Hmm. And... Uh, so with March Art Madness, you know, we want to be in a position where we have, uh, you know, something we do every year, it's very popular, but it's an art competition specifically to give uh, people a chance, young people or people around the world a chance to put their content out there so it can be seen and to challenge themselves to draw things they're not used to and challenge themselves to draw things that they can compare to other creators, right? And, uh, and so if you're an artist and you want to try to, to work with Saturday AM or Marvel or DC or Image, then uh, as, as some of the other guys said, you know, check out some of our YouTube channels. Please subscribe to our magazine. Definitely check out issue 100. And then check out our March competition, which will be coming in March of 2019, because you've got to put your work out there. You've got to challenge yourself, put your work out there. You've got to be willing to speak to people uh, who are, uh, you know, speak to the people around the world. You can't just speak to to, to one segment of the population. You've got to try to speak to as many people as possible, creating content that is reflective of the world, not of just your personal preferences. And you still got that bad economy discount of $5 a year for 20 issues. Is that still going? You know, it's funny you say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for bringing it up. So we have the best deal in comics. Our, our subscription is $5. You get 20 issues for the entire year of Saturday a.m. Now, uh, then we have a second subscription that's a little more expensive than that, but it includes Saturday PM and some other cool things. But, uh, but right now, right now, uh, and we're going to probably do it one more time before uh, Christmas, or uh, we're going to do, do it one more time before the end of the year. We did a, a sale just, just this wrapping up tonight, and I don't think your viewers will hear this. Uh, your listeners I mean, will hear this before the, uh, the night is over, but we will do it one more time before the end of the year. And we have a sale happening on our website right now, and you get uh, a subscription to Saturday AM the entire year, just Saturday AM, not Saturday PM. You don't get any other stuff that we do, but you do get the subscription, 20 issues for 99 cents. Now, Jonathan, oh, if you've heard a better deal, yeah, if you've heard a better deal than that, you tell me what that is. You tell your listeners what it is, but there is no better deal than that. The $5 is already the best deal. 99 cents is a steal. 
And, uh, and, and someone asked me the other day, they said, well, why not just make it free? And my answer is really simple because we've got to teach young people yep. in particular that content and creativity is worth paying for. Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite part of this, Jonathan, and you'll, you'll appreciate this. My favorite part is not that we get people who want to know, can we accept them in the Saturday AM? Not that we get those people about how to, how to get, how to become a manga artist. My favorite part of this is we get to know some young people who are like, man, uh, Man, uh, how much you pay uh, creators to Saturday AM? And I say, well, uh, do you uh, do you subscribe to us? No. <laughs> well, you won't be getting paid anything. Then. You know, uh, like, like if you if you can't if you can't respect the process uh, and respect you know trying to incentivize creators to produce great content, if you can't believe in the creator and support them, like like White said earlier uh, about you know someone who wants to do it, they got I got five hundred followers. Well, then ask those 500 followers to give you some money. Mm-hmm. The answer will then immediately drop down to you got one fan, and that's your mother. And that's the problem. <laughs> that, and that's the problem. So, and she's going to cancel her subscription when you turn 18. So, you know. My cancel subscription is that very next issue. Might be like, you know, I ain't reading this. I'm not reading this. He, you know, I don't like how he drew that girl. So, uh, so no, in all seriousness, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, there is literally no greater deal in comic books than what we have. You don't even have to like what we do to say, you know what, let me support these guys because they are trying to give diverse characters, new creators, global voices, exposure, and all they're asking me for is something that costs less than a Happy Meal or a latte at Starbucks. Let me support these cats. And so if we can do that, then we're confident that we can create a new opportunity for young creators and new creators around the world. But, uh, but you know, but yes, it requires people to want to spend some money. No question. Yeah. And 99 cents. You can't beat that. My, uh, one of my favorite things about doing this show is when I, when I talk to an independent outfit, like, like you guys, I felt like I'm, I'm looking at the future. So, um, I'm reading this book now called androids. Why do androids dream of electric sheep? Yeah. And yeah, uh, and then you know of course Blade Runner you know thirty years later mm-hmm. it was Blade Runner and, uh, yeah. and all the the comic book people I'm talking to they telling me Jonathan man I had this deal on the table you know I mean they they quoted me this much they wanted to move rights to my character character only it was just a a couple of uh, illustrations on Facebook or maybe it was only two issues out I'm constantly hearing this so uh, well. I was gonna. I was gonna. I, I know some people you talk with, and and I always am dubious of that. But, but go ahead. I'll. I'll yeah. I'll well, get my you know. But here's the thing. There's a brother that I, I'm posting stuff now. Um, mm-hmm. He had a conversation with, and yeah. uh, you know, we want you like your character. You know, or whatever. Blah blah. You know. The point is, is that for some reason they always look to independence to revitalize, you know, the big machines that are cranking out this kind of content. So, you know, you know, me supporting you guys, my audience supporting you guys. I mean, we kind of getting a glimpse of the future. Well, first of all, there's no question of that. And again, you know, we thank, you know, I'm like I said, I can't, I'm extremely appreciative that you would give us the time and I'm glad that you allowed me to bring on white and Raymond and Andrea. Um, I do want to make a caveat though real quickly. And again, this is, this is, you know, this is the unfortunate part of me is that I keep it real all the Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, having been in the industry, having worked in Hollywood, having worked with Hollywood and so forth, you know, uh, 
I always try to dissuade. I, I tell Mr. White, so the Ravens have done grand, I tell all my critics. Don't believe the hype. Mm. You know, that, that's, that's why we are in the position that we're in. And I said a few minutes ago, issue 100 is going to be full of content about, about, about that, cur- that, that curve that happened where people who are riding high mm-hmm. are riding low. And the reason that we're still here is one of ex- acute focus and experience. And, that, and, this, and it, this never ceases to amaze me is how people get blinded by things that just seem shiny when, when you and I both know Jonathan and that ain't nothing shiny like that that good. And so right. I can tell you I can tell you all sorts of all sorts of stories mm-hmm. of creators that I knew, uh, people that you probably saw back in the nineties who had success. They got an option deal, it got turned into a hit. The biggest one being Men in Black. That was mm. a comic book published by Eclipse. Three okay. issues. You ne- you've never heard of the creator. No. You've never heard of the creator. And he, he is paid. So mm. that is the holy grail. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, I just posted an article the other day. A lot of people responded to it on uh, on uh, on Twitter and, and some other places. Rick Reardon, who my nephew was a massive fan. No, I'm sorry, not my, not my nephew. Uh, one of our family friends, a massive fan of the series he wrote called, uh, called uh, remember when Harry Potter was big and so forth? Yeah. There was this thing called uh, called Percy and the, the Percy and the Olympians. Yep, I and, remember uh, that. It was, okay. So he wrote this amazing article, Percy Jackson, and you've got to check this out. I need to send it to you, Jonathan. You just show it to your to your readers on your website and to your listeners. But this is the flip side of trying to run before you walk. Mm. This is a cat who has real experience. This is a cat who sold millions, and when he got the rights of his book sold, he did, he didn't have no power. They weren't willing to listen to him. They didn't cut him. They cut him a check. Mm-hmm. They didn't cut him an experience. And he is bitter. And he is upfront about his bitterness, about how they ruined his franchise. Mm. Because of, he's like, he got the script. He's talking about all the issues the script had and so forth. And so, again, I said this the other night. I'll say it again. Uh, you know, we've had people approach us. But at the end of the day, there's a real simple difference. When you get, again, the guy who created Men in Black, he, didn't, he, he had nothing to do with that movie. Mm-hmm. They kept the combo, the combo characters damn sure didn't look like Will Smith or anybody like Will Smith. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you know where I'm right. going with this. Uh-huh. So my man, but my, my man, my man got the bag and, and hats off to him. Uh, Saturday is a little different. And any creator who comes to Saturday, you know, understands a little different. We're yeah. not chasing the bag. We're chasing the power. That's the whole different story. Yeah, We're chasing I, being able think, to control our future. Yeah. You and I are, are, are saying the same thing that, the, the point that I was, I was trying to bring up in all those little analogs is that mm-hmm. the folks that I'm talking to, mm-hmm. they turn these guys down. That's good. And they okay, believe good. in ownership. And so the one guy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's pretty, he, he, he's a walk. Well, okay, it's going to cost too much to do animation. I'll do my own animation. The other guy, he's doing a Kickstarter. So the people that I'm talking to realize mm-hmm. that if they're giving me an offer for X, then it's probably worth Z. And then, you know, and they believe in ownership and they're keeping it right. So for, for here at Jonathan Soul, we believe in ownership. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, we Absolutely. believe in ownership. Yeah. You give your, you give your, you give your stuff away for, for pennies, man. I mean, you know, so, uh, yeah. So now we're on the same page and that's why I yep. support you guys. And that's why I'm, I'm happy that you, uh, you, uh, you came on the show again. Can I'm going to go down the list. Uh, uh, Frederick, can you give people your social media, the website, and then and then we'll get on out of here. They don't need to reach me. Just go to Saturday AM, www.saturday-am.com. 
our uh, social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, typically it's uh, at Saturday underscore AM. If you go on Facebook, just type in Saturday AM, it pops right up. Google us Saturday AM and YouTube, it comes right up. You don't need my information. <laughs> so I was hoping that you would give the number to the bat phone. I, I draw stick figures, but I got a good story. I thought you were great on the curve. That's fine. Be that way. Hey, uh, hey Raymond Brown, give us your... Uh, Give us your social uh, information, man, so folk can reach out to you. <laughs> uh, similar, uh, Saturday AM, uh, forward slash Bully Eater. Or if you just want to keep it simple, just uh, go to BullyEater.com. And uh, once you get there, all my social links are at the bottom of the page there. Fantastic. Andrea, how do folk reach out to you? Uh, well, through Saturday AM homepage, the same as race, uh, Saturday-AM.com slash Saigami. Or uh, on social media, I can be found as Saigami Project. Both on Fantastic. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, Adun Day, uh, uh, White Manga, what's going on with you, brother? How do people reach out to you? Um, same as uh, everybody. Yeah, so the uh, Saturday-AM.com slash Apple Black. Um, and all the social media links will be there, as well as details on uh, Apple Black and links to everything could possibly need to be at Saturday-AM.com. Yo, family, what's going on with you? I hope y'all dug that interview. This is Jonathan Soul speak with you now. I want you to support my brothers and sisters by following them on social media and going to their website and picking up that product so we can stop focusing so much on issues and start focusing on building industry. For more episodes, go to JonathanSoul.com, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-O-U-L.com. And of course, I'm on social media. I'm on uh, it's Jonathan Soul at Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on uh, SoundCloud. And um, I'm over at uh, Blackspot as well that terrific Facebook competitor. Listen, family, I love you guys, and I want all your dreams to come true. And my dreams can't come true without you, and yours can't come true without me. So let's support each other, and let's build this thing together. I love you guys. Peace and love to you and your family. Till next time. Yeah.